Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. So glad that you're here today. Uh, today we're in part three of our message series, Speak Up. And our uh, underpinning verse for this entire series is the first verse that's in your worship guide. So go ahead and pull out your worship notes, if you would, please. And let's kick it off with this verse. This is a verse for the whole series. Proverbs 31, 8. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. So God wants us to speak up for people who literally have no voice. And honestly, so far, the response to this message series has been, it's been huge. For instance, yesterday, we had over 300 people from our church speak up and go out and help uh, do repair work and yard work and, and do things to help serve the widows and the single moms in our church. I mean, it was unbelievable what happened. And get this, uh, this last week for the Love 146 resale shop, we have now in the we have now filled up, get this, three 26-foot U-Haul trucks. We're on the third truck right now out in the parking lot. How cool is that, right? Amazing. And look, and that's you. That's you donating that stuff and bringing that stuff. And the people for Love 146 are blown away by how much our church has done to help traffic children. I mean, it's just unbelievable. So thank you for that. And so that brings us to today. And so today, I have brought with me an air conditioning filter, okay? And you have one of these too, okay? Not, not just in your home, but in your mind. You have a filter in your mind through which you filter all of life. All of life that goes through, this, goes through this filter, and it's how you form your own opinions, your viewpoint, your perspective, and what you think about different issues in life. And catch this. Everybody has a different filter. Our filters are all different. And so here's what I'm going to ask you. For the next 25 minutes, okay, for the rest of this morning, what I want you to do is I want you to put your filter down, okay? For the next 25 minutes, whatever you think, whatever your opinion is, whatever it is that you walked in here of like, this is, this is my view and this is what I think is right, I want you for the next 25 minutes, I just want you to put that filter down and let's use this as our only filter, okay? Let, let's just see just what God says. Now look, you can take this filter and pick it back up at the end if you want to, okay? Keep using it the rest of your life. But for the next 25 minutes, I want you to put the filter down and let's just hear what God says. And I know you're thinking like, holy cow, like what is he about to talk about? That we've got to do all this. Well, um. Today, we're going to talk about a group of people that the Bible refers to as the foreigner, okay? Now, that's more than just a really good 80s rock band, you know, hashtag jukebox hero, okay? <laughs> but in our culture, we call them refugees. And a refugee is anyone who, is, who has fled their home country because of famine or war or poverty or persecution and has relocated and is now living in another country. Okay, so. Put your filter away, okay? I know, just breathe for just a moment, all right? Put the filter down. Put it down for just the next 25 minutes or so, all right? Now, I want you to understand, today, we are not talking about 
whether or not we should let refugees into the country, okay? That is a completely different issue. The only thing we're talking about today is what does God want us to do with the refugees that are here? Like, how does God want us to treat refugees? I mean, does God say anything about that? We're, we're not talking about should they stay. That is a completely different issue. Put that filter down for a little bit, all right? We're not talking about whether they should or should not be in America. We're only talking about how do we treat them while they are in America, and that's it, okay? Now, I want to be honest with you. For me, I have, I have no real experience at ministering to people who are refugees. I mean, it's just not something I have ever done in my entire life. You know, maybe you haven't either. And so if that's you, then today will be a great first experience for both of us of learning what God says <coughs> and how he wants us to minister to people who are refugees. So let's start by asking this question. How does God want me to treat the foreigner? How does God want me to treat the foreigner? Well, here's your first feeling. First thing is this. I need to put the person ahead of politics. I need to put the person ahead of politics. Now, look, the people of Israel, get this, are, were faced with the exact same situation that we're faced with today. And honestly, probably worse. Because in Bible times, when a nation invaded another nation, if people, the people weren't killed, most of them were enslaved. Okay, back in those days, there was no Geneva Convention. Okay, there were no international laws for how you treat prisoners of war or how you treat human beings. None of that was present. And so when a nation would invade another, another nation, if they conquered it, those that survived, the vast majority of them were enslaved. And so since people knew this, many times, a great many people would instead flee the country so they would escape that sort of oppression. So let me ask this. If you were alive back in Bible times and your nation was being invaded, what would you do? Okay, because you'd be faced with three options. Death, enslavement, or flee. So which would you pick? If those are your three options, which would you pick? And by the way, remember, you don't have a gun. They haven't been invented yet, okay? And you're not Chuck Norris, okay? In fact, your, your most powerful weapon would probably be a shovel, okay? So faced with the, with the choice of fighting and defending your family against armed soldiers with only your trusty shovel, what would you do? Now, I don't know about you, but my wife and my kids, my family are too important to me to just take a risk that I wouldn't be able to fend them off. So you know what? I Look, I'm no coward, but we would flee. Like, uh, we, we would go. I mean, there's no question because my family's too important to me. So we would go. And here's the thing. A lot of people in those days did the very same thing. And many of them ended up fleeing to the land of Israel. And so here's what God told the Israelites to do with, when foreigners showed up in their land. And ironically, the Bible doesn't say anything about whether or not they should or should not be there. It only talks about how to treat them when they are there. So let's look what the Bible says 
In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 18 and 19, it says this. He, that's a reference to God, okay? So he, God, makes sure that orphans and widows are treated fairly. He loves the foreigners. I want you to underline that, okay? He loves the foreigners who live with our people and gives them food and clothes. So then, show love for these foreigners because you were once foreigners in Egypt. Now remember, these foreigners, they didn't believe in God, okay? Uh, they, didn't, they had their own false gods that they worshipped. They didn't have the same customs. They didn't celebrate the same holidays. They probably didn't even speak the same language very well, okay? But get this. God says that he loves them. He loves them. Why? I mean, what? they don't even believe in him. They don't obey him. They don't worship him. They don't follow any of his rules. They don't go to the temple on Sunday like they're supposed to. So why in the world does God love these people? Well, he loves them for the same reason that he loves you and me and loved us before we ever chose him, before we ever worshiped him. He loves them because they're human beings with an eternal soul. That will, and they will spend eternity somewhere. Because look, God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. He wants everyone to go to heaven. The Bible says, God's clear. He loves every person from every country. Whether they're from the Far East or the Middle East or East Texas. Okay? He loves all of them from everywhere. And he wants them all to go to heaven. That's why he sent Jesus Christ. So Jesus could die on a cross to provide their forgiveness. Okay? It wasn't just for the Jews. It wasn't just for the Israelites. It was for everyone. So look, if you're a Christ follower, you, you probably already know this. Jesus died for you before you ever made a move toward God. While you were in full-on rebellion toward God, just living for yourself, God had already sent his son Jesus to die for you. He already had done that. And if you're not a Christ follower yet, you need to understand, Jesus died on a cross just for you. He died just for you because he loves you that much. And the reason Jesus had to die on a cross was so that he could take on the punishment for your sins. And when he took on the punishment for your sins, he did that so that you wouldn't have to be punished, them, punished for them yourself. But in order to receive his forgiveness, you have to ask for it. And you do that by praying a prayer, asking Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you and committing to follow him. Because that committing to follow him, that's part of being a Christ follower. You see, Real Christians try to follow Jesus as best they can with their lives, okay? Um, are they perfect? No. Do they make mistakes? Absolutely. But real Christians aren't just people who pray a prayer and then just walk out the door and just live the same old lives they were living before. No, no, no. They do their very best to follow Jesus as best they can from that day forward. So, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life and made that kind of a commitment to follow him, then you need to do that today. And you can do that by praying a prayer. It's at the bottom of your message notes on the back. So if you've never prayed that prayer, I want you to take a moment. I want you to pray it right now, okay? Now, I want to wrap up this point by saying this, okay? Um, God says he loves foreigners. 
And because he loves them, we should love them too. You know, while they are here, we should love them and treat them the way that we want them to treat us. I mean, so listen, if your fam, if you and your family, if you were in a foreign country, how would you want the Christians there to treat you and your family? How would you want them to treat you? That is how we as Christians need to treat them while they are in our country. That's what God's saying. Okay? All right. Number two, here we go. I need to remember that kindness opens people to Christ. That's your feeling. Kindness opens people to Christ. This is one of the very first teachings of Jesus um, on the Sermon on the Mount. Look what he says in Matthew chapter 5, beginning of verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So look, when you treat other people with kindness, even when they don't deserve it, when people see you doing that or when they experience and view themselves, when you treat them with kindness, with like no strings attached, I'm telling you, that sends a huge message to those people. It, it opens them up to hearing about Christ. Because I'm telling you, when you treat people with no strings attached, you know, they're like, why would you do that? Why would you go to personal expense? Why would you inconvenience yourself when you don't get anything out of it for yourself? Why would you do that? That kind of kindness, I'm telling you, it just blows away. They just can't understand it. And, it, and it's in that moment that you have a chance to say to them, the reason I'm kind is because God was so kind to me by sending Jesus to save me, and he can save you too. And let me tell you about it. And that opens the door where you can do it. Because look, get this. Kindness is the key that unlocks a person's heart toward Christ. Let me say it again. Kindness is the key that unlocks a person's heart toward Christ. It's true. Look, this is, look at this next verse. Probably one of my top 10 verses in the entire New Testament, maybe even in the entire Bible. Look it up. Proverbs chapter 2, second half of verse 4. It says this. It says, Perhaps you do not understand that God is kind to you, so you will change your hearts and lives. See, even God knows that if he is judgmental, you know, if he just shakes his finger at you or he is condemning towards you, that's not going to make you change. All that's going to do is drive a wedge between you and him. And so you know what? God doesn't do that. That's not how he treats you. That's not how he treats me. Um, and I'm telling you, for me personally, what causes me to want to change my life is not guilt. Guilt is not motivating. Guilt is not a motivating emotion. It is a paralyzing emotion. Guilt just makes people feel bad. It, it rarely leads anybody to change. Rarely. And so for me, what actually leads me to change is when God is kind to me when I don't deserve it. When I know I've messed up. When I know I've made a bad choice when I know I've done something I shouldn't have done. And maybe not just once, but maybe done it 101 times. When God is kind and loving towards me anyway, 
when he's accepting of me anyway, that makes me want to change. Because look, all of us want to be accepted for who we are, right? But it is that very same acceptance that makes us want to be better than who we are. And God's kindness to us started when he sent Jesus to die for us. And after you become a Christ follower, that kindness continues. God continually shows you his kindness so that you can change. Look, that's why the Bible is so clear. It says, do you not understand that God is kind to you so that you will change your hearts and lives? Look, that's not true for just me. That's true for anybody. That's true for everybody. So in light of all that, what can we do to speak up for refugees? Okay, here's a few things you might not know. Um, you might not know this, and I didn't know this, but Houston is the number one city in America for the relocation of refugees. Number one. We have between 2,500 and 3,000 refugees that relocate and resettle in the greater Houston area every year. Every year. And so we as a church, we have partnered with a Christ-centered organization called Houston Welcomes Refugees. It is a great organization. They do so much good work. Um, and they help refugees who relocate to this area to help them, honestly, start a new life. Because many of them have come to this country because they were persecuted in their home country. Some of them because they were Christians. Now, not all of them are Christians, but some of them definitely are. Okay, um, But this organization helps families. They, they find housing. It helps, they help point them to possible employment. And they give them these kits to help them get started in their life. Because most of these people, when they come, they come literally with nothing. For instance, um, they recently worked with a family from the Congo. It was a mom, a dad, and seven kids. Here's their story. Their village was raided by, um, uh, you know, by, these, by these militants, and they watched their neighbors be murdered. They grabbed all the little ones that they could in their arms. The bigger ones had to run behind them. They fled into the jungle, and they ran seven miles through gunfire in the jungle just to escape. They made it to a refugee camp where they lived for three and a half years. Finally, they were able to get to the United States, but when they got here, they arrived literally with nothing but the clothes on their back. And they don't speak English, they only speak French. So Houston Welcomes Refugees met them, found, helped them get an apartment, pointed them to some possible employment, and then they gave them these kits to help them get set up. And these kits they give, it's just filled with the basics, okay? A toothbrush, dishes, a fork, a spoon, pencils for the kids, a backpack so they can go to school. I mean, a trash can. I mean, I'm telling you, the very basic essentials just to make it. That's what they gave these. That's what they give these. That's what they give all refugees. But that sort of thing opens the door for the message of Christ because it gives the organization a chance to say, hey, the reason we're helping you is because God loves you. The reason we're being kind to you when your own countrymen want to kill you is because God loves you. And because he loves us, we know he loves you too. And so let us tell you about him. And here's all this stuff, no strings attached. 
I'm telling you, it opens the door. Now, do all of them become Christians? No, but some do. And those that do, it changes their eternal destiny. And get this, not to change their, just their individual destinies, it changes the trajectory of their entire family line from that point forward. I'm telling you, it's incredibly powerful, okay? So, each uh, Houston Welcomes Refugees provides each family with five basic kits to live, okay? There's a personal care kit, there's a kids, a child care kit, and then there's three kitchen kits. Let me show you. For instance, in the personal care kit, there's things like deodorant, shampoo, a toothbrush, shaving cream, a razor, soap, Q-tips. I'm telling you, just the basics. Then in a, in, a, in a kid's kit, there's things like a ruler, colored pencils, a backpack, glue sticks, a notebook, pencils, a pencil holder. Just the basics that they need so they can get a start in school. And then there's three kitchen kits. They break it up into three, three sections. Let me show you some of the stuff that's in a kitchen kit. Here's what they get. They get things like, like just dishes. I mean, we don't think about this, but they literally, they've got nothing. And they don't, it's not like China. I mean, these are just plain, ordinary dishes, okay? They get a can opener. They get a fork. They get some spoons, an oven mitt, a spatula. Gotta have one of those. A really big spoon. Like, you gotta have a, I mean, I don't know what that is, but it's a big spoon. You get that, all right? And then you get this other thing. I don't know what that's called. We put enchiladas in that. So you get an enchilada holder. That's what you get. You get that. And you get like a, 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 a pan and a teapot, a trash can, a cutting board, a knife, you know, kitchen towel. I mean, you just, just the very basics. Because I'm telling you, these people arrive with nothing. So here's where you come in. Here's what I want to do. I want each family in our church to provide one kit, at least one kit for a refugee family. Now listen, the refugee families, each family gets all five kits, okay? Because they have to have all of it to live. But if every family in our church provided at least one kit, then how many of those other families could we change? And I want to be sensitive to um, families that have just taken the tithe challenge, the budget might be tight. So look, this is, First off, this is the last project that we're going to do in this series that costs any money. Um, and we went to Walmart a couple of weeks ago, and we bought all the items in the kits. And so we've broken the kits up into the approximate cost that's in that, on the insert in your bulletin. And so the kits cost range from about 20 bucks to up to about 50 bucks. That's what it costs for each kit. But Smalls kit is like only $20, okay? That is less than it costs for a family of four to go to Chick-fil-A, right? So you know what? You can just not go to Chick-fil-A one day, okay? For instance, you can't go today because today's Sunday. <laughs> I mean, don't you hate it when you're like, you're all excited. You like pull up, you're like, oh, it's Sunday. Oh, I hate that. So you're not going today anyway. So instead, go to Walmart and fill up one of these kits. And look, some families, maybe you can only do one kit. Some families could do all five kits. Maybe you can do two kits, something in the middle. I don't know. But these people have nothing. So would you fill up a kit today 
and bring it back with you. Now, listen, here's what you do. Once you go, go fill the kit, and you have to do new stuff. You can't just take the old, old stuff. They have to have new products, okay? So new stuff, go get some new stuff, fill it in the kit, and bring it back here to the church. You bring it back to the church. This, you can bring it this afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. Just bring it to the lobby from 4 to 6. Or you can bring it Wednesday, all day long. We'll be open 8 to 8 on Wednesday. So bring it back Wednesday or bring it with you next Sunday morning. Those are the only three times we're going to be available. Okay, today from 4 to 6, Wednesday 8 to 8, and next Sunday morning. So bring it back with you, okay? And the list of the stuff that goes in the kit is there in your worship guide, okay? Now, let me close it up by saying, oh, I also want to tell you this. If you want to be more involved, you can be part of the group from our church that goes and delivers these kits to the refugees. Like, you can go deliver them to them and help them get set up and get started. I mean, how cool would that be, right? So let me wrap it up today by saying this, okay? Um, my hope is, is that after looking at what God says, that that filter that you came in with today, that that filter's changed. My hope is, is that now that your filter would, that everything you understand and know would be filtered through the message and the love of Christ. And that as you think about refugees and while they're here in America, forget all that other stuff, but while they're here in America, that you would treat them and think about them with the love of Christ. And maybe your kindness would be the thing God uses to open up their heart so that they could receive Christ for the first time and maybe change the trajectory of their whole family. That would be amazing. And make sure that you come next week because next week I'm going to wrap up this series by talking about families that live right now in our area who are living in poverty and they desperately need our help. It's going to be amazing. So bow your head, close your eyes. Let me pray for us all. Heavenly Father, thank you for the chance to speak up for refugees, for people who literally have no voice in our culture, in our society. And so I ask that you would help us to speak up for them. And Lord, that maybe you have placed us in the number one city for resettlement in America because you want to use us to reach out to these people. And so I ask that you would help us to do that. Help us to open up our hearts and be kind to these people who literally have nothing. And that after today, that their hearts will be open towards you because of the kindness that you have shown them through us. And bring us back next week, Father, so that we can hear more. And we ask you to do this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app, for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.